Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Joined now by Mike Osti, the managing editor of West Virginia Sports Now and the host of the Mike Drop podcast. Good to talk with you as always, Mike. A little bit different of a format today as we're actually able to see each other via Zoom for once. That's kind of nice. It's not bad. Yeah, we yeah. both got microphones. I don't have to be on the phone for this, and we're able oh, to boy. see each other visually. It, it, so my my radio gold's going to be even better than normal. <laughs> and the, the, well, this show, yeah, well, I'll tell you, the sound quality also is just it's miles better when you. That's the crazy part: the how much better Zoom quality is than uh, than the phone. And folks are probably thinking, well, why do you do sure. why why you know why don't you always do Zoom? Then, well, I got to tell you, folks, our studio is a little funky, and at the moment, we can't handle Zoom calls yet live. But that is something that I'm hoping by the I was like going to say that's not me. Yeah. I've offered yeah. that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not record yeah, my yeah. show. I appear in other nope. shows. I do serious via Zoom when I'm yeah. hosting or appearing with them. But no, Alex did inform me that is not possible. Not yet. Well, we, 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 yet we, we, we think we think by uh, that that studio we believe will be able to handle live Zoom calls. Hopefully by okay. late late spring, early summer. So when that point uh, gets to it. So I will tell you this: the odds are that by next season, when we're talking <laughs> Mountaineer football, <laughs> we'll probably okay. be doing we'll probably be doing a lot of a lot of zoom calls because the sound quality is just it's it's so much better but it's fantastic it's unbelievable how far sound quality has come i mean i know you and i both have pro mics here that we're using but uh like really high level mics and and i I, that's great but i will say even just it's incredible how far like macbook uh, macbook microphones are unbelievable these days uh i I actually had mike you know i had a student who called and more this happened more than once but the first time it happened i couldn't believe the sound quality i had a student during the pandemic uh, at the college radio station, of course, where Mike and I came up at, together at U92 at WVU. Uh, but I had a student there when I was the advisor who did an entire game during the pandemic, an entire women's basketball game using a MacBook. And I'm telling you the sound quality. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how good the sound quality was. Uh, it, it was better than some professional equipment that I have used in my. In it's my not. Career. It's not bad, but it, it, yeah. you also could give the advice. Yeah, go go to Best Buy. Oh yeah, bucks. not not ideal. Could get not ideal. Yeah. Granted, the what we're using right now obviously yeah. costs more than twenty dollars. But yeah, yeah, even even just off of a MacBook, it, it can it can be fine. And you know that was an emergency. I will admit that was an emergency situation, okay. which I'm sure you're okay. you're very very familiar. I, with. I have called games on a cell phone before yes. in my life. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The, probably the the biggest women's basketball regular season game I ever called was entirely on a cell phone. So uh, it was a UConn WVU game at the Coliseum, and uh, I want to say 2011 in the 11 12 season. Uh, just brutal, brutal experience. Uh, it was Ryan Young, Ryan Ross, and myself on the call, and we were handing back and forth a cell phone. It was absolutely appalling. Anyway. Uh, we could could sit around doing college radio stories all day. We, we uh, could, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the morning spiel. Welcome in, everybody. Mike Osti with us here. So we're going to talk a little Mountaineer football, among other things. Uh, we're going to bring Mike on uh, every two weeks or so during the course of the off season, uh, back up until the point where we get back to regular season, uh, or at least until we get to training camp, and then we'll probably go back to uh, to weekly hits because uh, obviously the news slows down a little bit in the Mountaineer football world. But a couple of things that we missed since the last time we talked. I don't remember. Have we talked since the holidays on this show? I mean, you and I have talked. I, I just don't know if we. I think we talked, but I think we had. We one. have talked. I think we did one show. Maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Maybe. I, yes, because I, I, I explained how Happy New Year is over. Yes, yes, you did. The first week. So now we are speaking a couple weeks from that program, and obviously Happy New Year. I I, is I got, finished with, and everybody should already be embarking on their New Year. And I just want you to know, I got days worth of extra content every 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 time I'd end a segment, I'd be. <laughs> Every time I'd end a segment or end a show, I'd be like, it's too late to say Happy New Year's, guy. That's the Mike Osti rule. You, you get past January 8th or whatever it was, can't yeah. do it. 
Uh, okay, yeah. so uh, why don't we talk about a few things? Uh, Mountaineer. So since you were last on, Michigan, of course, won the national championship. Uh, WVU finishes ranked uh, 25th in one poll. I believe it was the coaches poll. And there's some light recruiting information and some transfer portal stuff. Why don't we start here, first of all, with just your general take on Michigan winning and the future of Jim Harbaugh. How do you think that that's I mean, that that's a big situation in the landscape of college football. And it will lead me directly into my next question, which is Mountaineer related. But that's a that's a very, very big uh, potential upheaval of the idea of the national championship winning coach heading back to the NFL immediately after winning it all at Michigan. And that's the difference of this offseason compared to the last few offseasons, because Jim Harbaugh has been flirting with the NFL really every offseason since he got to Michigan. But now the difference is he left the NFL to go to Michigan, and he literally said he's doing this with the mission to restore Michigan to glory and win a national championship. He's now done that. He didn't do that prior to this season. So now you could argue, and this is why some believe this is finally going to happen in addition to all the drama and scandal that that he's also on the heels of, he accomplished the goal. And yeah, there's maybe the the allure of going back-to-back, of doing what Georgia did. There are also that some will say that Michigan needs to keep building this to argue as the greatest college football program of all time, despite having the most wins ever. This is only their second unanimous consensus national championship since the late 40s. Their last consensus overall, no one disputes it, 1948 prior to 2023, and then they did win in 1997, but that was a co-championship they have to share with Nebraska. They, I believe, had the AP vote and Nebraska had the other. So that was not a unanimous claim to a title. And a lot are disputed throughout the history of college sports that we talked about before. The last one that nobody could argue prior to this past one was many, many generations ago. So all of those wins, and in the modern era, because if you're also going back to pre-1940s, pre-1950s, a lot of those were claimed Decades later, they didn't even try to claim them at the time. There was nobody voting. There was nothing going on at the time. There was no playoff. No major bowl said you're a champ if you win this. It was just either AP voters, and then that was kind of it. And then decades later, people would go back and try to claim who was a champion. So modern era where you're really doing it on the field that no one can deny, this is only the second one. So with all the wins, Michigan maybe needs to keep on doing more. And maybe Jim Harbaugh, with Nick Saban now retired, to connect it back to a West Virginia native who many regard as the greatest college football coach of all time, retiring from, from Alabama recently, Jim Harbaugh may argue, I'm going to be the highest paid. I'm going to be the most prestigious. I'm going to be the guy with the national championship. I'm going to be the guy on all the shows. I'm going to be the premier college coach with Nick Saban now gone. I, I may be going to take Nick Saban's spot on the Pac McAfee show in those programs. It's going to be me. <laughs> and if he comes back, he can be all of that and do that for Michigan, and they can try to continue on off of what they just did, which also, it just had to go that way. That, that's how it was going to complete the season. I just knew it was inevitable after all the drama, they were going to get it done. But there also are some who believe that he finished the job, so now you go to the NFL. And the other part of that is also, Alex, 
It's not a guarantee that Michigan would win again. There's nothing to do at Michigan for him that would be better than winning that championship. He's going to probably he hasn't a... done, which he hasn't done. He went to th- what three NFC championship yeah, games in he, a row. He, things that he has not accomplished are in the NFL. He went to three NFC championship games. He went to his Super Bowl, lost to his brother, and. There is now a chance that he can be in some rarefied air. There's only a handful of coaches in football history that have both a national championship, whether disputed or not, but have a national championship and have a Super Bowl championship. There's some who have been there, like Harbaugh, but to have won both, we're looking at uh, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Mm -hmm. Switzer, Pete Carroll, those names. It's a very small group. He could join that. And if we're talking about this century, by the way, we're basically talking Pete Carroll. So that's a much bigger deal as well that would put him a chance to be in both Hall of Fames and and to stack some wins and be regarded as one of the best overall coaches of all time, not just at college or pro. But does he have a chance at being in the right situation, though? He has to be with a quarterback based on his success level in the NFL and college. He's not a guy who builds him up. He's a guy that has a quarterback that's good, that he can take you to the next level because he used to do it in the past. There are teams like the Chargers that are dangling out there, but he went, he visited, he talked to them. No offer yet proffered. The Falcons, same type of thing. There are rumors now of talking to them, but they've also interviewed Belichick a couple times. Who would they prefer? A couple-year window with a lot of money and try to do it now, but do they have a QB? Like, is that a, even a great fit for Harbaugh? The mm-hmm. Bears thing doesn't seem that's no longer open. That was always the team that he seemed to be rumored to go to. Broncos, not open. He was rumored to them in the past, obviously. So, number one, he has to get an offer. There's not a guarantee. He has not had legit offers, even though there were rumors. Number two, does he want to be that, I'll do both, Super Bowl and National Championship coach throughout history, or does he just want to keep building on the Michigan thing? And then also the other end of this is he's using Michigan to try to gain some leverage as well, because he already has an offer from Michigan to stay on, to be the highest paid coach. And he's even trying to add language in there that no matter what else comes out from these investigations, he would, I I believe the wording is that no matter what else comes out, he can't be fired for it. So, like, they could Odd. say you're Odd. sanctioned. The N- the NCA could come out and say this doesn't count. They could suspend him, conference or NCA, but Michigan would have to still employ him as the head coach, even if he's not coaching due to suspension because of this weird language. Which he's tr- So he's really trying to wield some leverage. Does he just want to ride out and do that because he could e- easily coast in Michigan as well with top five recruiting classes every year, too? If I had to bet, I think he finally goes to the NFL. I think maybe the Chargers are the actual perfect fit. I don't know why they haven't officially offered. I would have done it yesterday. That seems to be the perfect thing to save him and Herbert and have both their legacies increase. But there could be a reason why it's not happening. Maybe he wants way more control than being the coach. We'll see. If not the NFL, he'll be back at Michigan, though. It'll be one way or the other. So all that, the reason I asked, and this is where – you know, we've kind of danced around this topic. We've talked about it a little bit at times, but again, I, I, I have, I, and I've, I've done segments on it, just me talking about it. Cause I, I am, you know, I am recognizing that we are entering a point where there's going to be real opportunity for somebody out there, some college program out there to make a real statement in the next couple of years while there's a 12 team playoff. And while this sure. version while this version with the five, uh, power four, I was almost going to say power five. Well, with this version of the yeah. of the of the power four conferences exists, 
There's a real opportunity for programs that historically have been, the door has been shut to them. All of a sudden, the door to at least the possibility of winning it all is open. And it doesn't seem like a full coincidence that it's the end of Nick Saban's career as well. That happening simultaneously makes me feel that there is a real strong possibility that we're going to see programs take advantage of this like we've never seen before. One of whom, of course, could theoretically be WVU, who is entering a spot next year. And again, I'm not here saying WVU is going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying WVU is going to win a national championship or even win a playoff game. What I am saying, though, is that from a probability perspective, WVU just went from a basically 0% chance of making a playoff. And if you look at, you know, the uh, I'm a big NHL analytics guy, so I always love the the pie charts that say money puck comes out with. Even when I don't agree with, with what the analytics right. share, I love the pie charts that show the probability of, say, making the playoffs or making into the next round or winning the Stanley Cup, those kind of things. WVU, the sliver would have been almost, you wouldn't be able to see it if, if a pie chart for college football <laughs> came out. And let's just say it was just, the power five teams, right? Mike, you wouldn't even be able to see the pot, like the little sliver that would be WVU's odds of making the playoffs. But the thing is the changes to the system and all of a sudden now a change an upheaval to one of the traditional powers and one of the major powers of the last two decades does pry open the door a little bit. And even if we're talking about WVU's odds go from, let's say 0.1% or less to 2%, let's just say of making the playoffs that's an exponential increase. All of a sudden, to make the playoffs, you don't have to have a perfect season. You don't have to be 13-0. and 0. You will not have another situation like Florida State. This It's not going to happen again. And so my point to you is this, is that I wonder if we've now reached a situation where the landscape of college football actually can give people a little bit of hope that they're not just playing for consolation prizes every year. Because for most fan bases... That's realistically what they were playing for every single year is a consolation prize. For well over a decade, really for the past two decades, not only that, but one conference was arguing as the conference you have to be in to win a national championship. It was the SEC for a very long time, hogged by all of them, by Nick Saban, Alabama, winning six there and Saban winning seven. And the other one he went out of outside of Alabama was also an SEC team. So that was the conference you had to be in. If you were not in that conference, then maybe you could argue the Big Ten. But outside of that, it was pretty much null and void for the past 10 plus years. And even going into the playoff, there were really, yeah, maybe 10 teams that could argue you're really whittling it down to really four or five that it's a legit thing that if you don't, you can be legitimately disappointed. And that said, we have had teams upset the apple cart. Nobody would have thought TCU the year prior to them getting in, they got in without even winning their conference championship. They literally lost their last game of the season, did not win their conference title, got in anyway, and won a playoff game over the aforementioned Michigan, which is why all the pressure was on Michigan to finally get it done this year. That is not a blue blood. That is kind of off the cuff, totally against the norm, but they did it. Even Cincinnati, before being in the Big 12 as a group of five, they were able to get in off of a big win over Notre Dame that, say, UCF did not have years earlier when they were denied despite being undefeated, and Cincinnati was able to get in the playoff. They didn't win the national title, but they got in the playoff, which is a big deal 
for a group of five, and that's all kind of a schedule quirk. They they had a legit team on the schedule that they scheduled there, as we talked about before, a decade earlier when they were not a contender, and they so happened to be good enough to beat them when they were on the schedule, and then that got them in, whereas UCF didn't have that because they didn't progressively think about this literally a decade earlier. So that is how this works, and I get strength of schedule. I'm a big proponent of it, but that's how it's been during the playoff era. And some have argued, I've argued this, that if you're going to have this level of controversy, we might as well have just kept the BCF and just had one verse two. We we would have kind of ended up with the same situation th- this past year. So number one, even if Nick Saban decided to keep it moving, because they're going to get top recruiting classes regardless of him, he's now made the program what it is so much, even though they are losing players and losing commits and losing transfers, but they're still going to get good players. Right. Alab- Alabama's there, probably a 10 win team without Saban next year. Right. right. Like, least, yeah, like there's still going to be a good team. A 10 win team should still be a playoff team, by the way, there's still gonna be a lot of talent there. But the point of it is just by expanding the playoff, you are just mathematically just going off percentages to, to get analytical. They're just, off the top, you are allowing more teams to have a chance than before. So that does open up the door. There's not going to be a situation again where a now power four, because there's also less major conferences, more playoff spots. So Alex, I'm not a math major here, but less major conferences, more playoff spots. If you win one of those, that's a guarantee now. That's a guarantee now. We could argue strength of schedule and whether you winning the conference is better than being a runner-up to another conference. Even if that's the case, you're still going to get in. And obviously the buys, they're guaranteeing you a certain seating, but you're going to be ranked in that top 12. If we had this off of this past season, Florida State, even with a quarterback being out and people saying they didn't want him there because they wouldn't compete, they still, those same people that said, I don't want them there because a QB's out and they can't compete, still rank them just outside the top four, and they would have been in a 12-team playoff. So that scenario will go away. Now, of course, there's going to be a scenario. We know this will happen, and maybe this will be a victim for West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia will be a victim of this. There will be a team that will be 13th that will have the exact same record as the 12th-ranked team. They may or may not be in the same conference. Neither one of them will be a conference champ. We will have to be nitpicking strength of schedule. They will argue about voters. 13th ranked team will say it's unfair because once every 10 years, the 12th ranked team might actually beat the one or beat the three or whoever they end up playing. 13th ranked team will be in their feelings. But at that point, you're going to be arguing over two or three lost teams. Right. So that's the thing. Like, yes, the team you're arguing is still a two or three lost team like you. But as I told you on a past show, if West Virginia was ranked at that level this past season and they didn't get in the AP top 25. They got in the coaches poll. So if say there was a 25 team playoff just off the AP and they wanted to argue that they were ended up by the votes, I believe they were ranked 27th in the AP. And they said, why are we just outside? There's a group of fives that are ahead of us. Their schedule's way easier. I argued this too. I thought they should have been in the top 25 in the AP. They were in the coaches. It counts, but say we're talking about the AP here. At the end of the day, you can say to them, you know what it did? You know what did it for you that you don't get a chance to be a national champ? You allowed a Hail Mary at the end of the Houston game mm-hmm. and you didn't tackle anybody for three and a half hours. And the quarterback who, yeah, he had a great year, but he took his helmet off. You keep the helmet on, they're 15 yards back, you're in. So there are things you can directly point to that would take the argument away. So that's what it likely will be, but we will still have some argument. It's no different, Alex. We have people arguing over who should be 
we have a 68 team NCAA tournament in basketball, and there are people that I was argue just who, should be, say, yes. who should be yes. 69, 70, right. 71 versus 67, 66, the play in, who should be, mm-hmm. like, for example, in my mind. And this is in every single college a- athletics, by the way. This right. is how they do it in every single, essentially, college athletics. But I mean, there always program. will be argument. West Virginia got in the NCAA tournament in basketball right before the Huggins drama, despite not winning 20 games because of the strength of schedule being so tough in the conference. They got in the legit field. Pitt, for example, had a better situation in their conference that people thought was down, and they had to go through a play-in tournament to get in the actual NCAA tournament, even though it counts, of course, as the overall NCAA appearance. That's an argument. That was a debate all last season. Like, how is that fair? We're, we're not looking at record. We're looking at strength of schedule, which we should, but that's the difference of Ken Palm becoming part of it. So that'll still be a thing. It, no one's ever going to be 100% happy but I don't think you're going to have anyone threatening to literally go to Congress over (laughs) 12 versus 13. I do not predict a governor has to get involved. This will not be brought up in a political debate for any presidential election. Oh, I hope not. There is nobody who's going to ask who should be the 12, 13 or 14. Like we right now, obviously we got, you know, DeSantis and others were talking about Florida state. That is not a candidate for president is not going to discuss the 13th, 12th or 14th team. It, I'm willing to bet money this is not going to happen. It did, obviously, with four or five. So with that said, and you're probably going to maybe have the end two of teams claiming things and putting it on a press box they didn't actually win on the field. You can't do that if you're ranked 14, 13, or outside of the top 12 either. So this might alleviate a lot of that that we have not even fixed during the playoff era that we thought we were going to fix. But if you look at the NAL situation for West Virginia in terms of a direct team that could benefit, West Virginia's NAL situation is better than a lot of people think. You can say what you want about the school as an institution, but the money at NAL in terms of boosters, name, image, and likeness, country road trust, even athletic department money is all different from the school. And it is, I would say, it's top 25 caliber based on what I'm hearing from recruits, what Ren has already released, what I know is in there from donors, what is not released to the public that I'm aware of. I comfortably can say that is a, a ranked situation in there, better than some programs you would think would be better than them. There there were some recruits that decided not to go to certain places because NAL is better at West Virginia. In order to retool the same roster and bring the same roster back and keep Green, Jaheim White, all those, Rodney Gallagher, keep all those guys that have offers from other schools that behind closed doors had other schools say, come here, even to retain Zach Frazier last year when Bama wanted him. You got to pay more, not just what they were getting. It's like getting a raise at your job. They had to get more, trailing Ray to stay. So all of that shows good things about the money in NIL. The conference is now open a little bit without Texas and Oklahoma there. Oklahoma's been kind of down, but Texas, just a playoff team, they're gone. Historically, West Virginia is now the winningest program in college football history that's currently in this new Big 12, even with the new teams that are being added. They will have a chance off of that. And obviously the fan base, et cetera, the facility, I, I believe, is top 20 as well. I, I think the athletic director is one of the best in the country. I, I do think Ren is the right guy to have there. He's he really is, proven that, huh, right? He's had yeah, quite the trial by fire to start He's his had career. to do a lot, and I think he's done mostly well. We'll see what he does, obviously, with the basketball decision, wherever he goes there. That'll be really what's tested. He did decide to keep Brown for one more year. But if Brown lo- ends up winning four games next year, I'm sure he'll fire him. This is not a long-term 20-year th- extension type of thing. It's that you're good enough now but we'll see to the future. And he's literally said he's willing to do whatever it costs and takes to win a big 12 championship, if not a national championship. So 
I would get ready for a little different experience than what the last 20 years have been. He's going to take big risks. He's going to lose some, but he is going to do some things thinking that'll help it. And even with schedule, he's going to make the schedule proper to get a championship. Maybe the fans won't like it because you will lose some rivalries, but I think he's going to do what he needs to do to get back in position and we'll see where that leaves you. But I would say that with Ren at the helm and with, with what I said, it is reasonable to expect in the next five years to be contending for a conference championship. It is reasonable in the next decade to expect maybe multiple playoff appearances. Beyond that, it's a crapshoot. I'm not going to guarantee any type of natty or anything like that. But I I don't think that's insane. And next year, even going in, they are going to be one of the top teams that people will predict could win the Big 12. It is not insane based on just what they did and who is coming back. Well, it's interesting, too, because now you have a new and we, we'll leave this here because we're low on time. And I want to ask you one more thing on a different topic before we let you go. Sure. But one quick note on this is that you do now have and I've always felt this is tough with college football programs outside of the real big blue blood programs right, right now. You have a really hard time establishing, I think, what the expectations are for a program like West Virginia. And I think Nobody knows why... them and no one agrees. To right. that. that is the problem. <laughs> Even people who know exactly. them, there's a debate right. on what they are. Thank that you. Is, That's... And no AD nor coach is yeah. going to literally say what they are. We had a Syracuse come out after they fired a coach who literally said, they're the first program. I never have heard this. They said, well, the bar was seven and five here. Once we couldn't go seven and five, we fired a coach. That was all we figured. That's That basically was our scheme. And it was a eye popper to me. Like, wow, they literally said that right. if they lose five games, they're <laughs> very happy about the season. They said it's the quiet true, part out I, loud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They said the plan out loud. No one else does that. Yeah, I'd love if wild. they would. It'd be easier to discuss. Yeah. But that's, that's wild. Where we're going to Okay. So that was real... a wild comment. Yeah. yeah. I, wild. I, I, I had totally forgotten about that. I'm glad you brought that up. All right. So real quick, before I let you go, uh, the big news that actually got, I'm going to, I'm jokingly in air quoting air, in putting this in air quotes for our listeners might can see this, but uh, I, at your colleague, Alan Saunders broke some news on our show yesterday that okay. the bears hired Shane Waldron as their right. new offensive coordinator, someone who he had thought the Steelers, could potentially be looking out for as a as a that, future yeah. offensive coordinator. I'm a big fan of Waldron. I, I think he is a phenomenal offensive coordinator. I think his scheme is great. And there's a lot of credit there for, obviously, the, the redemption arc of Geno Smith, who's had a very, very good two years as a starter in Seattle. And again, just coming from where he, where he was as the starter with the New York Jets to where he was as a backup elsewhere with, like, the Giants, and now as a starter, I mean, he looks like a legitimate NFL starting quarterback, and at times, yeah. he, he looks like he has all pro potential. I mean, A legitimate he, Disney he, movie in the future. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Yes. So, But so where I wanted to leave this with you is that, so I was surprised to see Waldron was not a candidate or at least must have been ruled out as a candidate for Pete Carroll's replacement. Cause I thought the Geno Smith, yeah. Shane Waldron marriage seemed like a good one. I guess sure. I'm curious looking at this sort of holistically, he's heading to Chicago where who knows if they're going to be looking at Caleb Williams or if they're going to be trading Justin Fields or if Waldron has been brought in to actually be Justin Fields's do what do for Fields what he did for Geno Smith and take him to that next level. I'm not sure, but I wanted to get your take on on Geno since he is probably I would argue maybe the 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 biggest Mountaineer currently in the NFL, uh, starting NFL quarterback on a team that's been in the playoffs within the last two years uh, and and is a very good NFL quarterback. Uh, any thoughts on that move? Any thoughts on Geno and and what direction? He could be headed before I let you go real quick. We are, I, I see we're running low on time. I've got the, 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 the I need to upgrade to pro apparently. Okay. Well, yes, it does affect Gino. And 
what it immediately screamed to me is maybe the Seahawks are not locked into Geno long term. I mean, that also was a rumor out there that maybe they're going to part ways with Geno. There have been rumors that have some speculated on even Geno Smith maybe being shipped over to the Steelers as a guy who can compete with Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin's literally said that Kenny Pickett's likely going to have a leg up as QB1, but he's going to bring in a veteran who can compete with him. I don't believe it'll be the level of Kirk Cousins, even a Justin Fields, probably not even a Geno Smith. But whether it's a Steelers or otherwise, this could mean that Geno Smith has to move on from Seattle. I do believe he's proven himself as a legit starter. Pro Bowl last year, playoff appearance last year, got hurt a bit this past season. But when he was in, they were good enough and they were still knocking on the door. So Geno's a good quarterback. A lot of teams would rather have him than their current guy with whatever time he has left in the NFL, which is not long. He is older. He's in his 30s now. But still, the next few years, you you could you could ride with Gino, but maybe they're maybe they're going to move on from Gino. So I haven't heard much about that since the end of the season, but that's certainly been a rumor that if you talk to people in NFL circles, read some tea leaves, hear some rumblings, that maybe they're not locked into Gino. I haven't heard a legit report, but that could be a thing. And maybe he then has to move on. So and and who knows what the Bears are truly doing, to be honest with you, because many thought they were going to move on from a head coach. They chose not to because they did have a hot kind of end to the season Mm -hmm. many believe you mentioned justin fields many believe he's going to be the guy that has to move on as well because they're going to draft caleb williams who isn't even a slam dunk after his value kind of kaplunked this past season from where it was before and just financially and rookie contract etc they're going to move on from fields but who knows then where he'll be so we don't really know what the bears are doing they've made mistakes in recent years but this could mean that gino has to move on too so i think what we'll do is then mike when we have you on next time uh or maybe not exactly next time because we're still in the middle of the nfl playoffs here but as this story kind of develops, I think we'll we'll continue to monitor it because I think, again, sure. I, I like to follow Mountaineers in the NFL, I think, like most people do. But Gino is one that I'm particularly fond of. There's a lot of them, but Gino's the premier yeah. guy. I mean, yeah, when you have a quarterback it, who's a pro yeah. bowler, there's only and And, you know, as a, as, a, as a New York Jets fan, I always thought that Gino, like many quarterbacks, got a raw deal right. in New York, which we don't, need, we, don't, we don't need to get into that right now. That is right. neither here nor there. But, Mike, I appreciate it real quick before I let you yeah, go. Sure. Just give us some quick plugs and then we'll get you out of here. Obviously, WV Sports Now, still football covered in the offseason, recruiting high school and transfer portal. They have some signs, some players. They're bringing in some high school recruits, also basketball season. They're maybe going to turn their season around as they finally gelled. We'll see. Obviously, the big Kansas win, but they got to follow it up and keep it moving. Edwards may return the rest of the sports circuit as well as baseball season's about to start. You can find that all at WVSportsNow.com. Mic drop can be found everywhere you get your podcasts, and then all. Also now, I am doing some national writing that you can find at yardbarker.com, which will be anywhere, mostly in the NFL, NBA, NHL, any of those sections, Major League Baseball. So I'm going to be all over there as well that I'll link up throughout my social media in addition to kind of my Mountaineer coverage. But I will continue to keep it moving in terms of my coverage, even though, yes, football season is now in the offseason, but it never sleeps <laughs> based on the uh, the way the world works these days because – Spring ball doesn't conclude things like it was before. Then that portal window opens, and then who knows? (laughs) Very good. Mike, we'll talk with you, man. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.